Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I am Maria Retan. It's great to be here, and I'm so glad you could join me today. You can catch Purse Strings every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern, and each and every week you're going to learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman, of course. Um, I was reading an interesting Advertising Age article just last month. You may have seen it, too. It was about the lipstick effect. Um, You probably have heard about this, the theory that lipstick sales survive and thrive during economic downturns. Um, You may have heard about this occasionally in some of the recession years. Women would go out and they would buy lipstick because they couldn't afford anything else. Well, Apparently, the economy is so bad that even lipsticks are not selling. Um, In fact, they're off by nearly 2%, and overall, lip treatments are down nearly 11%. So instead of going for color, uh, we women are opting for staples like foundation, just what we need, right? A good foundation. Uh, It's all great, but we can't even afford lipstick. So that's not so great, Um, in my opinion. I don't know about you. And if you're a lipstick-wearing woman, I don't know. Maybe you're experiencing this as well. But I think what this kind of um, puts the the spotlight on is the fact that um, when it comes to where we're spending our extra dollars, we're just not spending them. We've seen examples of this over and over and over again. Um, luxury bag sales are also off. Um, knockoffs have actually become more mainstream, and, and because they look like exclusive bags and women can actually afford them, those are the ones that are doing so well. Um, some brands um, are deciding to go um, the opposite direction. Instead of going more of the um, price-oriented, they're going uh, ultra-luxury, and otherwise, um, they're really gunning for the top-notch luxury segment, uh, and they're putting extreme price tags to that. So um, I don't know how well that's going to pay off for them, because at the end of the day, um, a lot of people are saying that the mass luxury movement is dead. Um, In fact, uh, Saks and Coach and um, Carl Lagerfeld, um, they're all really concerned about what's going on with the luxury consumer right now. Um, many, many of them um, are trying to plus up the in-store experience to cater to those women. Uh, in fact, a lot of them are putting in in-store concierge um, to, to try to get women to come back in and start spending their money. Um, so luxury label sales are, are just going down and down and down. Some some companies are actually offering their wares for rental. So this kind of is along the same line as lipstick sales. You can't afford to buy lipstick, and you can't afford to buy the real deal, so you're going to rent it instead. Um, so there's obviously a business out there for this. Several companies are renting designer handbags, jewels, cars, private jets even, but they don't want to bother with owning it. They don't want to put the cash out there to buy it, so they're going to rent it. They still want a taste of the luxury life. They just don't want to pay for it. So I thought that was really insightful this week, and it's along the lines of what we're going to be talking about 
about later with our guest today. Um, the Coach Queen is our purse profile. Now, this is a woman who likes the taste of luxury. She can afford to pay for a little of it, but just not a lot of it. There's about more than, oh, I'd say more than a million women out there like this. Their average age is 40. They've they've gone to college. Um, They have more than 120,000 median household income. Um, So they're doing pretty well for themselves. And they, they really struggle with the desire to have luxury items, but also to be a good mom and not take money and or food or clothes out of their child's lap just to, you know, kind of um, showcase their lifestyle. So they really struggle with this. Where am I going to spend my money? I have this luxury taste, but I'm also a little guilty about um, spending it on me and not spending it on my kid. So we know that the role of mom is really important for her. She's um, really focused on her home. She sees it as a luxury item and, in fact, sees it as the bridge between doing well for my family, and doing what I really want to do for me. So she ends up dumping a lot of her money into the home So because it, it kind of feeds both of those, um, the yin and the yang for her. Um, she wants to be happy, and she takes comfort in brands that she's attuned to. Um, so the brands that she likes to buy are Clinique, um, she dabbles at Victoria's Secret and Chanel. She likes Kendall Jackson and Woodbridge. She's shopping at Gap and J. Crew and Eddie Bauer. Um, at home furnishings, she's online at Pottery Barn or Williams Sonoma. She's driving an Audi or a Volvo. And when it comes to media, you can reach her through yellowpages.com, blockbuster.com. Um, you can, she's in magazines like Parenting, Shape, Real Simple, Family Fun, Cooking Light. And she's watching television shows like Nickelodeon and Disney because mom's number one with her, but also HGTV and Grey's Anatomy. So that's the Coach Queen, um, kind of feeling a little guilty about where she's spending her money these days. And when it comes to spending money and what people are doing with it, my guest for the program knows this. Um, She's definitely an expert in this marketplace. Her name is Pam Danziger, president of Unity Marketing and author of Shopping, Why We Love It, and How Retailers Can Create the Ultimate Customer Experience. Pam founded Unity Marketing back in 92. It was a boutique market research firm at that time, really um, focusing on consumer insights for marketers and retailers that sell luxury goods and experiences to the masses as well as the classes. Um, So Unity fields a lot of market research on this. Um, Her work includes both qualitative and quantitative research, And in fact, um, Unity just unveiled some startling new research about the luxury marketplace. My question is, is there such a thing anymore? You you heard what I said at the top of the show. How have the the wealthy weathered the current economic client? Find out when Purse Strings returns after the break. Hey, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Welcome back to our coverage of the 17th Annual Golf Invitational, brought to you by SureHits.com. When looking for the right ad network, there seem to be unlimited choices. Go with the only network that targets the insurance industry, SureHits.com. Let's head down to the fairway. Here we are at the 18th hole. Odd choice for Ken Mitchum to not go with SureHits.com here. I mean, they are the only ad network that targets the insurance industry. Definitely a strange choice to not pick the best option for publishers in the finest category, but, oh, here's a swing. Oh, look out, folks. Terrible slice into the woods. Jeff Burns now stepping up to the fairway. And it looks like he's already chosen SureHits.com. Clearly the best choice since they pay more for quality traffic. And the swing. Oh, my. He crushes it. When getting ready to make your drive, go with a sure thing. SureHits.com. 
For insurance, it sure hits. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998 and formerly known as Joe Bucks, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that Value Click Media had netted FastClick, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BenAsRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. You've got to work with Value Click Media. I've got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit Value Click Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details. Value Click Media. Flashback, November 16th, 2004. The beginning of WebmasterRadio.fm and its immediate impact on the internet business world. Today, WebmasterRadio.fm has become one of the fastest growing internet media outlets on the planet. Our trade show coverage is second to none. We have brought you speeches and interviews from the most influential names in search, affiliate marketing, and public relations. Eric Schmary, Andrew Hick, John Battelle, Keith Ferraz, Jim Lanza, Jason Kalkanis, and that's just the beginning. Trade show coverage on demand now at WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm is now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Get out your spray paint and put your graffiti on our wall. Get all the details on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And welcome back to Purse Strings. Joining me now is Pam Danziger, president of Unity Marketing, marketing and the author of Shopping, Why We Love It and How Retailers Can Create the Ultimate Customer Experience. Now, Pam, you've written a couple of other books, too. I love this one, Let Them Eat Cake, Marketing <laughs> right. Luxury to the Masses, as well as the Classes. I love that. And the right. other title I thought was just so so typical, why people buy things they don't need. I just love, I love the, the uh, titles of your books. Well, thank <laughs> you. Well, I mean, we're really, when we talk about luxury, what we are talking about is totally discretionary purchases because nobody, no way needs any of this stuff. It's just, you know, it's all driven by desire rather than need. Oh, and we all have them, don't we? We all have that desire, and especially in a market where we we know it's not as accessible as it used to be. Right. Well, we all, yeah, and you know, the desire is sort of inherent in human nature because we always want better things, we always want more comfortable things. So there's there's nothing inherently wrong with this drive to own better quality things and have more comforts. You know, it's just that it's just that when the pocketbook, you know, butts up against the reality and, you know, now more and more affluent people with plenty of discretionary income last year don't have as much this year. And I'll give you a good example of that. In my own household, we have three cars. We've got two college students, and we pay the, you know, the credit card bills. Well, this month, I was astonished to see our credit card bill for the, 
for the gas at nine hundred dollars. Mm. Now it doesn't hurt me when it's three dollars a gallon when I'm sitting there, you know, pumping my tank. But when you see it in aggregate, I mean, that's a thousand, you know, almost a thousand bucks that's you know taken out of my clothing budget to just get my kids around town. Right. I mean, basically, your discretionary income is now going to cover the basics. I mean, and I don't think, I think all of us can relate to that. I think um, the the group of people that you're really talking about in your latest research are those that are making more than 150000 a year. And obviously, they're getting squeezed um, a little bit, obviously, in this it's economic times. But I was interested in something that you call the luxury consumption index. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, we ever since 2003, the end of 2003, we've been doing what we call a luxury tracking study. Every quarter we survey consumers at the top of the income brackets. Now, for for definitions of the tracking study, it starts at about 25,000 or about the top 25% of US households, which roughly is about $75,000 and above. Um, so we have, you know, we have different segments within that group, but Basically, we're looking at the top 25% of households and how they're spending their money and their feelings and attitudes about affluence and how they're spending their money. And, and then we, we calculate, we utilize those, those pieces of information and we do some statistical magic on those numbers to arrive at an index, which really is a, is a, it's a value that lets you see how the consumers at this high income level feel about their wealth. It's, it's comparable to the Consumer Confidence Index that comes mm-hmm. out. Most people have seen that in, in over the general economy, but this is just looking at <clears throat> consumer confidence among those top income earners, and it really has tanked at the, in the last half of uh, last year. It just, it just, the bottom fell out, and they are, and as I say, they're feeling the pain now where they really weren't feeling the pain before in terms of, you know, really touching nerves about spending. Yeah, and I think, you know, all of us like to think that the wealthy just get more wealthy, and we take some comfort in that, well, at least if we were to ever achieve that level of income, maybe we would be protected from the economic downturn, but that's really not the case. And whether or not these individuals are being hugely impacted or not, they certainly feel like they are. You're, as you mentioned, their confidence is starting to plummet. When You said you started seeing this at the end of last year, is that correct? Well, yeah, it was the last two quarters. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really important to kind of understand the terms that we're using because affluence, I mean, you know, it's like what what does that mean, affluence versus rich? I mean, the, the people that I'm talking about primarily are what I would call comfortably affluent. They're people that are making, on average, about $150,000 a year. So no upper no matter where class. they live, you know, yeah. except in some of the biggest cities, they're living a pretty comfortable lifestyle, but they're hardly rich. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think we have this idea, when we say affluence, people kind of start to see, oh, that equals rich folk. And, and we're, you know, that's, there's, the, the affluent market has never been so diverse, made up of different ethnicities, different age groups, I mean, made up of all different kinds of people. So it, it really isn't, it isn't just the country club set. It's people who are shopping at the Walmart next to you, you know, the million, millionaire next door. So it really is a big group today with, you know, with, with wide-ranging differences in many ways. How do you think the luxury consumption index got so low? I mean, what, what kind of came to play, came to bear, that it, it suddenly tanked? 
Well, you know, the way I look at these people, they are the movers and shakers in society. They are the people making the money, and, you know, really, they're highly educated. And they are not, they have been seeing what's been going on, you know, in particular with the direction of the country. And if there, there's like five key questions that we utilize in the, to calculate the index. The one that has really dragged down the overall ratings is the lack of confidence that these consumers have in the direction of the country, um, in the financial, economic direction of the country, and things like the mortgage crisis. You know, they're feeling it in their stock portfolios. I mean, every day the news is just terrible about what's going on with the stock market, and these are people who've got a lot of money invested there. So they're feeling that pain. They are feeling the pain of, you know, the, the question of, you know, global instability, what's going on in Iraq and the Middle East. All of these factors are playing a role, and that's why I, I see us coming out of this situation with the luxury consumers once we get to the, the election, because we are guaranteed to have, have a new president, new direction, whether it's Republican or Democrat, I don't think makes much difference. I think what's important is it's somebody new that's going to give, bolster the confidence. Because, you know, in marketing terms, you know, as a marketer, the perception is the reality, because that's, mm-hmm. that's what people are doing. And, and again, these consumers don't need to buy any of this stuff. So instead of buying a diamond ring now, they're going to wait, you know, just mm-hmm. simply because they don't need it. So a simple change at the White House is going to make a difference. Just It doesn't matter who it is, as you said. It's just the fact that it's a change means that there's hope for a new direction. It's all about just feeling hopeful, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I mean, it is. It's, it's the psychological factors, and I think that, you know, that that... I mean, we're just, we're a little tired of what's going on, at least the luxury consumers are. And as I say, I'm not in any way predicting who's going to be elected. I mean, I think it's just that people want to change. They want to feel that the government is in good hands um, mm-hmm. again and it's got some taking some direction. So that's why I think it's a short-term thing. And many, you know, they often say that the luxury consumers, the affluent people, you know, they're the last one in to you know, recession or, you know, whatever whatever we want to call this situation. They're the last ones to feel it, but they're the first ones to start to come out of it. And I, so I think we're, you know, we, we see a light at the end of the tunnel. But right now it's it's going to be a little dicey. Um, well, and they could come out of it at a very key time, too, with the election happening, and then it's right around the holiday buying season. I mean, it could be a, a really key time for them to kind of snap out of it and give us a boost to the economy if they go out and are hopefully spending again. So it's it's really important that they start to feel feel good. I mean, granted, it might not be a light switch going on where, you know, new person in the White House and then they're out spending the next day, but we could see awakenings shortly thereafter, don't you think? Well, that's what I'm hoping for, mm-hmm. unless we go into a situation like we did two, the two elections ago where we didn't know who was going to be the next president until, like, January. So. <laughs> yeah, let's not have a hanging chad situation yeah. anymore, please. I don't think I can handle the news cycle on that one, frankly. No. <laughs> uh, I got tired of that pretty quickly. I don't know about you. Um, yeah. well, but let's talk about the people out there. I mean, obviously, not all of them have stopped shopping. I mean, a lot of them are still shopping. They still have this taste for luxury. You know, it's not like suddenly they're like, oh, okay, we're shutting the pot book, pocketbook. We're not going to go out and buy, you know, we're not going to go take that vacation this year. They're going to just tighten their belt a little bit. It just means that they, they kind of approach it a little differently. Am I right? 
Well, exactly. I mean, my example of the $900 spent on gasoline <laughs> bills, I mean, that's coming out of my clothing budget. Okay, well, you know, I just, I can't buy another pair of shoes, you know, I can't buy another handbag. I mean, that's, and that, again, is what, what's going on with the luxury consumers. They have got to take, the luxury consumers, the affluent people have got a taste for luxury. That's not going to go away, but they're going to be choosing cheaper, less expensive alternatives. You know, for example, I think we'll see more domestic travel. We'll see more short short vacations, short break vacations, you know, three or four days rather than a week or two weeks spent on vacation. We're going to see people continuing to go out to restaurants but maybe opting, you know, for drinks and appetizers instead of a full-blown expensive meal. So they'll be tightening their belt a little bit. But I don't think they're going to, again, it's, it's all discretion, and they know it's, it's going to be back, so they're, they're going to hold on. The, the trading of consumers, the people who have really stimulated the luxury market, which are, are middle-income and upper-middle-income people who are, who've been saving their cash to buy luxury goods, I think they are going to, they're pulling back more sharply in the market, but again, they're going to still be, if, instead of getting a Gucci bag that they saved three or four months with, they're going to buy, get their Gucci kick by buying perfume or something mm-hmm. less expensive. Mm-hmm. So they're being a little bit more reasonable about where they're spending their dollars. That It's not that they're not shopping, they're just, they're just conserving um, and maybe spending a little bit less, um, but still out there fueling the economy. It's just not in as big a way as they used to, obviously. No, um, it's... Go ahead. That's right. It's going to be it's going to be a, t- a tight time for retailers this year, and I think that you know retailers really need to be at the top of their game. That means they're going to have to really cater and make shopping in their store an experience, cater to the desires of the shopper, and make it an experience if they if they want to kind of you know weather this storm. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that when we get back because we're going to need to take a quick break. But I, I do want to explore what companies can do in the luxury market downturn because there's still opportunity out there. And um, so we're going to find out when we come back on Purse Strings. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Purse Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Hey, what are you reading? Revenue Magazine. It keeps me up to date on everything in performance marketing. Yeah, I get all my information online. <laughs> I don't see a computer next to your boogie board there. Well, I've got a regular magazine here. Revenue Magazine is the only hard copy magazine that covers affiliate marketing techniques, search technologies, online fraud prevention, and interactive advertising, branding, and marketing. My magazine's got pictures. Revenue Magazine has everything for online marketers, affiliates, merchants, agencies, and networks. And you can read previous issues, blogs, and more at RevenueToday.com. Wow, mine's got a centerfold. Revenue Magazine, the performance marketing standard. For more information, go to RevenueToday.com. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah, GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Um, hello? Uh, 
Welcome to our website. Website traffic isn't about paying for clicks. Okay, so I guess we're going to wait until everyone shows up and then we'll... uh, um... It's about having the right content. So while you're searching for more traffic, the folks at InfoSearch Media are creating the content people are searching for. With InfoSearch Media, you can get more traffic for less money than PPC. So the next time you need to speak to your customers... Welcome to our website. They're already searching for you. InfoSearch Media. Get content that really clicks. Entertainment and excitement await you at WebmasterRadio.fm's Podcaster's Paradise. Take your hats off and find your fun inside the Life Tips Day Spa or climb up to the Rainmaker Retreat. And when the sun comes down, talk SEO over an ice cold beer at the That's a Wrap Tavern or check out DJ Nani Vinkin putting you in a trance inside the fringe. Make your reservations to Podcaster's Paradise. Paradise on demand at webmasterradio.fm. Watch out for the vampires. Enter the communications coven that is webmasterradio.fm. Now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Visit the webmasterradio.fm homepage for all the details. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And welcome back. I'm joined today by Pam Danziger, president of Unity Marketing and the author of Shopping, Why We Love It and How Retailers Can Create the Ultimate Customer Experience. And right before we went to break, we were just getting into that very topic, creating the ultimate customer experience, especially in a down market. It's so important that if people are actually out and about coming into the store and they have some money to spend, they really want to be engaged, don't they, Pam? Don't they really want to feel compelled um, more than ever now to spend those dollars in the store? Well, I mean, it, it really is true, and you've got to just work a little bit harder if they're if they're not in the store thinking about shopping. I mean, what I kind of like to say, Maria, about shop this whole idea of shopping is that you've got to attract the consumer to your store. You've got to give them a reason to be there, but shopping alone can't be the reason. So mm-hmm. you've got to give them other reasons that they want to be there and experience your store and kind of, you know, get their fix, you know, as as it were, from the experience of being in your store. And you have to make it experiential for the customer. Yeah, you have something that you call the pop equation that I would love for you to explain to our listeners. I find it really fascinating. Okay, well, you know, in in my research for the book, we first looked at the mindset of the consumer, and if we divide the book, it's really in three parts. So the first part of the book is focusing on the consumer and that experience. The second part, we explore and examine retailers that, again, really epitomize a shopping experience for the consumer, and that's what I call the pop equation, which is seven factors that we found in all the retailers that were really, you know, they really pop. There's what I call a shop that pops, mm-hmm. that each of them exhibits to one extent or another, but some of them are better, you know, exemplifying one pop equation or the other. And then the third section of the book is all about principles that retailers can use. So it's very practically oriented. But getting to the pop equation, and those are seven factors that all of these extraordinary re- retailers share. Um, things like a shop that pops is a shop that has and involves consumers at a high level of interaction and involvement. And, and you know, if you look at 
two factors are the most important about getting consumers to spend more money or shoppers to spend more money when they're in your store. One is getting them to spend more time in your store. So the sheer amount of time they spend, the more likely they are to spend more money. And the amount of interaction that they have with both the staff and the merchandise. So you want your shop to be a shop that that really involves the customer and gets them interacting, which is, you know, gets them talking, gets them walking around your store. Um, I love the Barnes & Noble stores with their cafes because that is, becomes a local community and truly builds that sense of community um, with, with people. So, so the concept is people who like you know, like a particular store, are also likely to like each other. They've got something that they share, and you can build that community. Yeah, it's almost um, tribal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and you don't do it by saying to the customer who walks in the door, can I, you know, what can I do? Can I help you? You know, what you do is by having, by really greeting them like you'd greet a friend, you know, coming in your home and, and really making them feel welcome. Yeah, I know. I, I can speak from personal experience. You know, I have gone into a store that will remain nameless, but it is a it's a major retailer, and gone in and really had what I would consider bad, poor, really poor customer service, and walked out and said, "I will never." shop here again. Now, granted, it was um, in a mall, and there's a million others like that, but I had, was so turned off that I said, I don't care where the store is located, even though they all have different sales staff, um, i just never going to shop at it again. And I blanketly just struck it from uh, any consideration for shopping in the future. And I'm sure that I am not alone there. I mean, there's so many um, stores vying for my dollar and my attention that if I have a poor experience in one, I'm I'm just going to nix it and move on to the next. Well, well, you know the people factors, and you know are really the most important. And I think you know with the wall, you know, sort of this Walmart trend in the country, you know, more and more people think that it's really all about price, and that really that isn't the case. I mean, when it comes particularly at this luxury level, it you know it's not about the price; it's about the meaning; it's about the value. And part of that value is going into the store and being treated right. And you know, it can be you can be have poor customer service by being ignored and not being able to find anybody to help you. But on the other side is customer service that is overwhelmingly, you know, just everybody tackles you. I went into a store recently. I mean, apparently they just didn't have enough, or they had too many staff people on the floor and not enough customers because everywhere I turned, it's like, hi, I am so-and-so, may I help you? You know, that turned me off as much as, you know, your experience did. I don't want to go back there. It's like, I don't want to be tackled by 20 people when I walk in the door. You know, and everybody says, may I help you? And it's almost like, no, please go away, leave me alone. Be there when I want you, but don't, don't say, may I help you? But much better when a customer comes in the store, hey, have you, you ought to take a look at, you know, at that new handbag that we have on display in the back that's on sale. It's a great price. Take a look. If you can interact with them in a meaningful way, that's so much better than say, may I help you? Mm-hmm. It seems so much more personal, doesn't it? I think that's it what is, we're really looking for is to about. make a connection. Yeah. Um, beyond the the pop equation, which you which you have, which is great, and I know as you mentioned, it's in your book. Um, you we also you also talk a little bit about um, companies can actually convert the luxury masses. That there there is opportunity to con- convert them. Can you talk a little bit about about that? 
About converting the luxury yes. masses? Yes, converting. So, for instance, um, luxury consumers right now we know are, are kind of holding holding their money a little bit closer, but there's still opportunity to tap into them. What are what are some of those opportunities that are still out there to, to get the luxury marketplace to open their, their pocketbooks a, a little bit more? Well, I mean, you know, it, the, the idea that luxury consumers, affluent consumers, are not price sensitive is ridiculous. And a lot of people carry that around as a conventional wisdom. So, you know, you can attract luxury consumers into your store with selective um, inducements. And that might be loyalty programs, which, you know, people like Neiman Marcus are very successful with. And in fact, I have a, a, a white paper on my website about you know, the companies that really do a superb job in loyalty programs that can stimulate and keep keep those luxury consumers interested. Um, you can, so you can draw them in with sales. You can draw them in with promotions. You can draw them in, I mean, by communicating online. Again, there's common misconception is that the, the luxury consumers are not utilizing online, and that's quite wrong. They are probably, they are the most active online because they're the ones with the credit cards. Right. So you can, you can utilize various targeting um, techniques to, to make you know, the luxury consumers aware of what you have. I mean, a lot of small specialty retailers, I think, are too passive. They sit and wait for the companies or for the customers to come to them. And on the, on the other hand, they've really got to be going out into the community and drawing them in through, you know, another factor in the pop equation is curiosity. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. gets people in the door. That's what gets them down the aisle. You can, by changing your, your, your window displays, by having frequent turnover of merchandise and displays, you can really make your store a destination because there's always something new and different for people to look at. So, you know, there's lots of tricks that people can use that will make shopping in, your, in their store more compelling. Yeah. Uh, two more quick questions before. Unfortunately, this time is running out so fast because I could talk about this for another half hour. But well, no, I found it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we ought to rebook you for another time. Yeah. Um, I, I was curious about uh, people's raising perceptions of what country – um, their goods and goods are manufactured in that is really playing a pl- uh, role, isn't it, in um, what they're choosing to buy? Yeah, you know, we just we just did mount that research, and it was so intriguing because um, we were doing research for the Italian Trade Commission, and and so I just kind of just out of curiosity, really popped the question into our tracker, and we found that that you know people luxury consumers really do associate better quality merchandise with certain countries, mm-hmm. and first of all is the United States, and then come the European you know classic you know European countries known for luxury, Italy and France and Germany and U.K. Um, and, you know, on the reverse side, all the negative press that China has gotten is really turning people off to luxury goods from China, to lots of materials from China, because that's the one, that's the country that really by far is most associated with poor quality goods. So, so China has a lot of work to do to be recognized, um, you know, as, as a player in this luxury market in terms of providing luxury goods. Are you seeing um, the age of the consumer playing a role in that decision, too, about countries and what they're choosing to purchase from? I mean, is, is that playing a role in what consumers are purchasing their age? Well, 
age is playing a role in a lot of aspects of the luxury market, and maybe that's what we could talk about next time. But in terms yeah. of countries, yes, we did see that older consumers, people, you know, who've, I guess, been <laughs> shopping a little, a few more years than, than the younger people, are more attuned to places of, of um, you know, where the countries where the, the products are manufactured. Now, I don't know, though, if as the younger people get older, they're going to develop the same behavior or, or perception, or if younger people just sort of see globalization and kind of have incorporated globalization in a very personal way so that, you know, that, that, that their perception of the world is more of one big global marketplace. It will be interesting to see, you know, what, mm-hmm. what transpires over the next couple of years because the world surely is getting to be a smaller place. And sure uh, the luxury consumers, of course, are making it smaller because they're the ones out there traveling and, mm-hmm. um, you know, go- going overseas and, and so on. And bringing those goods back home where you other bet. influencers are in their home. If they can afford them. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. If we can afford it. We'll know more after the election, right? We'll, yeah, we'll have a better right. sense. <laughs> well, Pam, I, am, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been year. fascinating. And obviously, we didn't cover near enough. There's so much more we could talk about. So definitely, I'm going to have to have you back. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, to learn more about Pam and Unity Marketing, I invite you to log on to unitymarketingonline.com. And also, you're going to want to check out her book as well. Um, and I want to thank George, my producer, for a great show. And next week, you're going to want to tune in because next Tuesday at 3, I'm going to be talking to Nina DeSessa. She's chairman of McCann Erickson, New York. Now, she is one of the very, very few women on top in the field of advertising. Now, if you know anything about advertising, you know it's a big boys club. Well, so does she. And she just wrote a book called Seducing the Boys Club. And I mean seducing. It's been very controversial. And I can't wait to talk to her and hear her secrets to success. That's next week on Purse Strings. You don't want to miss it. Thanks again for joining me today. Make it a great one.